Hola, hello and welcome to the Tech Geek Podcast. I'm your host Sukriti and I'm here with another episode on fraud detection. Its federated network intelligence technology has led to an uptick in intelligence sharing between payment operators to prevent fraud. More importantly, it helps to distinguish between you know, genuine spending behavior and fraudulent ones. When these models are trained for a specific merchant or sector, it helps improve fraud detection accuracy by as much as 40 to 50%. Even the industry under the NPCI is creating a common platform for data sharing that can be used across payments platforms to serve as a repository of all the fraudsters. Guys, today I'm in conversation with Damon Madden, Principal Fraud Analyst from ACI Worldwide. Damon has over 15 years of experience and precise in you know depth expertise spanning the full spectrum of digital payment channels. This deep domain expertise combined with innovative strategic leadership allows him to seamlessly translate business requirements into market-leading solutions. Welcome to the show, Damon. I'm elated to have you here with me today. Thank you so much. It's a real pleasure to be here with you today. Thank you. So uh, without any further ado, let's get started, Damon. So the first thing that I would want to know from you is what are the latest advancements in ML with regards to the fraud detection that you see right now? Yeah, there's two two pieces here that I'd like to discuss where we're seeing sort of innovation at a rapid pace with regards to machine learning and, and in particular with regards to fraud detection. Um, the first is incremental learning. So it's a key advancement that we've really been focusing on heavily here at, uh, at ACI, and it's something that we've been actually awarded a patent for. So it's introducing the idea that having models that incrementally train themselves over a period of time so that they can uh, naturally move with the fraud trends and predict what types of fraud patterns are happening uh, within the environment or whatever type of detection that you're doing. The other aspect where we're seeing a lot of advancement um, is around bringing machine learning closer to the business. So the idea that machine learning is something that should be you know, harnessed by data scientists, harnessed by PhD students and people that are uh, high, highly technical in, in, their, in the way they approach uh, you know, mathematics or whatever it might be, we want to remove that barrier of entry for people such as a fraud operator or a business user or someone that's embedded within an operational organization to give them the skills and to give them the knowledge and, and the ability to actually build, train and deploy models uh, uh, easily and rapidly. And these are the two areas where we're sort of seeing uh, vast advancements from, from our perspective. We're constantly doing our own research and development in these two areas. Um, and it's what we're really focusing on in terms of how we wanna see machine learning being utilized for fraud detection in future. All right. So tell me, what are the popular ML models currently being used in the industry? Yeah, so there's, there's several different approaches that we're seeing in the industry for models, okay? What we mainly see, uh, which is still probably the most popular and still the most effective, is, is a regression approach, approach to, um, to detecting fraud using machine learning. Why this is the most popular is some it, it scales really easily is probably the first um, item that's worth, worth mentioning about that. Um, secondly, the mathematics is easy to understand and interpret. So it's relatively easy to build a regression model, understand how the regression model is actually interpreting the data that's receiving and then supplying you the outcome. So, you know, the ultimate score that you might have as a result of that. So 
Um, it's still very much the most popular approach because um, you know it, it's relatively low expertise required to to use that and to leverage that within within an organisation. Other areas where we're seeing um, where we're seeing uh, popularity is more around neural networks. I mean, we we're always hearing about neural networks. Um, this this is ongoing. I mean, you hear Tesla talk about uh, neural networks and how they're utilising that in the car industry. Uh, we still see that as quite a popular option for fraud detection, particularly where you have vast amounts of data, you know, um, areas such as authentication, behavioural biometrics, these types of things. Um, we also have other random forest models. Um, and if, if we if we move for, more further afield outside of fraud detection and start thinking about financial crime management, um, we see a lot of uh, K-means clustering type models for determining how a consumer might behave in relativity to their peers uh, and how that can be utilised for, you know, ongoing due diligence or, uh, or for fraud detection purposes as well. Okay, so talking about ACI specifically, uh, Raymond, tell me how do you build sector-specific ML models to improve the fraud detection? Uh, we have a vast lake of data specific to payments and payment industries. So building models to a specific sector within our environment is relatively straightforward. So we have the data that's associated with a particular sector, okay? So we have all of that data available. And we understand that like sectors, the fraud patterns may be similar across those. So we can easily apply those different uh, learnings that we have across all the different segments. Now, when we think of our merchant, uh, merchant base that we do fraud detection for using our Redshield product, we have specific sector models that are built uh, for our customers. We also have custom models as well. However, we do um, we do use varying approaches. We have a full model pipeline to do that, uh, and we're able to do that with relative ease, just simply for the fact that we have vast amounts of data available to us. Um, when it comes to our on-premise customers, or what we would describe as our banking clients, um, it gets a little bit more tricky where we don't necessarily have as much data available to us. Um, and with those, we really focus on more outside of the area of, of sectors and we sort of look at the channel or the payment type uh, and then secondary to that would be sectors. Wonderful. So, uh, you know, Damien, help me understand how incremental learning models are improving fraud detection when compared to static models. Yeah, of course. So with regard to incremental learning, we know that fraud patterns change. So as controls begin to impact the profitability for the criminal, right? So as their MO starts to become less profitable to them, it will change, right? So they will try some new avenue or they will try a different merchant or they will try a different approach to um, utilizing the exploit that they're using to you know, extort funds from a bank or a merchant or whoever it might be. And that, that change in behavior doesn't necessarily correlate to static models, right? So with the static model, if the behavior changes, the model's not necessarily trained against that change, therefore you'd start to see a degradation in performance, okay? So with that in mind, with incremental learning, what we see is rather than having a static approach, the incremental approach will start to see a trend change and as such, those new changes will be slowly introduced into the modeling process and slowly introduced into the model. And as such, as the trends change, or if the trend changes rapidly, 
then the model will also change rapidly. So the scoring algorithm starts to start to move with the fraud trend and how the fraud pattern is actually happening. Um, where the incremental approach really starts to become more effective though, is when we start to think about sentiment, right? So when it's all well and good to wait for fraud marking, right? So you have incremental learning approach, you have fraud marking. We know that with fraud marking, typically um, within a banking industry, that usually you'll know you'll know about 95% of your fraud within five days is usually how that is. So there's a lead time of five days between you know an event and ultimately knowing what happened under that event. So rather than looking at the fraud, you can utilize an incremental learning approach to start understanding the sentiment of the users or the operators that are actually utilizing the system and actually looking for the fraud on a daily basis. And they can then use that information to then apply it to the fraud detection process, okay? So if you wanna think of an example, an experienced operator may see a change in behavior, they might see something that's out of the ordinary, and they will block an account or they may call a customer or they may do something like that. So that information can be leveraged by an incremental learning process to say, hey, I'm seeing a change in behavior here. And as a result of that change in behavior, I might change my detection strategy approach to do something differently. So what do I mean by that? So with a fraud detection engine, what you usually have is you have three states, right? You have a post facto state, where a transaction comes in, it generates an alert, you do something with that alert. We then have a second state, which is what we describe as real-time decline, so where we intervene in the transaction path. So transaction comes in, we determine whether it's high risk or not. If it's high risk, we might choose to decline that activity, we might choose to hold a payment, we might choose to do something to that. And then the third is, of course, applying a block, you know, so, um, suspending an account from actually being able to transact any further than what it has already. So having an incremental learning model approach, you can have a sentiment comes in. So if you're starting to see someone block more accounts due to a particular trend, whether it be, you know, maybe the ATMs in, uh, in, uh, in Mumbai are starting to become higher risk, and we're starting to see more of the operators that are using the fraud detection engine block those accounts associated with that, we could autonomously have a model that says, hey, I'm starting to see a change in behavior. Maybe I wanna do something different. Maybe I wanna block all those accounts. Maybe I wanna real-time decline those accounts. And you start to influence the fraud detection process while you're in flight and while you're moving through that, that life cycle of fraud detection. And that's kind of really a value-added benefit of using this approach where you know static models would just never be able to actually uh, move or adjust with that sort of timely manner in order to, to facilitate that type of detection. That was that was wonderfully comprehended, uh, Damon. I, I must say, you know, what, what an understanding. Uh, next one, and this is the last one. What is the need for a data sharing platform to curb banking frauds? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so data sharing amongst the community is going to be the key to future fraud detection. You know, most criminals now are working in syndicates. You know, we're, we're not working with isolated individuals who are who are extorting a bank or an industry or something like that. We're talking about highly organised criminal syndicates that are that are doing this with the sole goal of profiteering. So, as they're starting to share information, we are also going to start needing to share 
share information. The ability to rapidly ingest data from multiple sources is also gonna be really important. Um, and, and of course, regulators are also gonna to wanna to, uh, understand the fraud detection environment, and they're gonna to wanna to understand that in, uh, in, in very much in real time. So we know it doesn't come with problems. It doesn't come without problems, right? Managing diverse jurisdictions, privacy laws, everything associated with that. And as we know, India has some of the strictest laws in relation to data sovereignty around the world, um, including data processing, like everything has to be done locally. So the ability to share data amongst that group um, is key, right? So the ability to share. So what do I mean by all this? I'm kind, of, I'm kind of skirting around the issue in terms of what it is we're talking about, but the data sharing platform and the ability to share data amongst the community is how you're gonna prevent fraud at an industry scale, right? So it could be a jurisdiction level, so it could be an India level, it could be at a global scale, it could be anything like that. Without having the ability to share indicators of fraud, amongst different communities or amongst a community, you're never gonna be able to get the upper hand against a criminal, right? So naturally here at ATI, this is something we really believe in and it's something that we have a product for, so it's called network intelligence. Um, and we really firmly believe in this idea that having a community of data is really key. And the other component of that that's really key is being able to share that data without compromising the privacy or the personal information of your customers. So, you know, these are the real considerations around what you need to do with regards to sort of um, data sharing within a community. And we really believe that that there is going to be a future where data sharing is key, right? There, that future is going to exist. It's starting to exist today in places like Australia or South Africa. We have Sabric uh, in South Africa. We have the Australian Financial Crime Exchange. Everyone's starting to start up these these, uh, these sharing networks in order to A, facilitate sharing amongst the community, but also to get law enforcement involved, right? Because law enforcement are getting reports of a financial crime event over here, a financial crime event over there, but they're not necessarily seeing the whole picture, right? So the ability to actually be able to aggregate all of that information, push it to the central, you know, whatever the central body might be, and then aggregate that information further, distribute it back out to the members of your community, but then also leverage that intelligence that you're, that you're gathering about that to assist in the law enforcement process or assist in the regulators understanding of financial crime or whatever it might be within the environment. And we, we really, really firmly believe that um, this has a big future uh, for, for fraud and financial crime detection. Thanks, Damon. I think those were some Interesting insights you've shared with us on fraud detection. Thank you so much for sharing them with us. Yeah, no worries, anytime. Thank you. Audience, thank you for listening to us. Hope you had some great takeaways. I'll be back with another podcast episode super soon. Time to sign off. Stay tuned to TechGeek for all the latest tech updates and happenings.